Hey, welcome to a special short-form edition of Strong Reception with me, Eli James. Thank you for your patience. I know it's been quite a while since I put out an episode, uh, but today I'm trying something different. This is the first installment of a sub-series of Strong Reception that I'm calling The Song Diary. <laughs> the idea of it is to take a song and use it as a lens to take stock in some of my personal journey during a giant transition time. We'll see if it works. Uh, there have been great things that have happened in the last year, and there have been some absolutely stunning setbacks, um, some real grief to process. Uh, it's been a trial by fire in terms of learning to survive and thrive and um, just learning about myself and my relationship to others. So for each of these episodes, I'll pick a song that maybe you know, maybe you don't, uh, to use as a filter to look at some of the general insights I've been having into my life. And hopefully you'll be able to relate, and if not, maybe you'll still be entertained. Today's episode is going to center on this little-known song, which has been running through my brain lately, and has been getting at some of the existential angst I've been feeling. Questions and answers have brought dishonor My head's bowed in shame It seems that I've blackened the family name Maybe you recognize that voice, but not the song. The song is called Can't Help Thinking About Me by a young, not yet famous David Bowie. This is back when he was performing with the band The Lower Third, and this single was released under the name David Bowie with The Lower Third in January of 1966. In fact, it's the first record he released using the name David Bowie, where previously he was using his given name Davy Jones. You might know this one if you're a die-hard Bowie aficionado, but um, I'd never heard of it until 2018, when I went to a huge David Bowie exhibit that came to the Brooklyn Museum. At the exhibit, you were given special headphones that would play certain songs or audio based on what room you were in, and this song came on in my earpiece in one of the rooms that dealt with the earliest stages of Bowie's recording career. Just a little snippet of it played, and I thought, whoa, I like this. It's catchy, it's immediate, hooky. And I really like that the chorus is so frank about self-focus. I can't help thinking about me. It felt very original. And I, and I didn't know immediately why that was, but I thought the song was fantastic. And I was like, what happened to it? Can't Help Thinking About Me was written by David Bowie when he probably was still a teen. It was released just after his 20th birthday, hitting stores on January 14, 1966. The band, The Lower Third, was one of the many groups Bowie was a part of before he finally began to have success as a solo artist in the late 60s and early 70s. At the time this song came out, he'd already released unsuccessful singles with the bands The King Bees, The Manish Boys, 
and with the lower third. In the end, Can't Help Thinking About Me also fell to chart and faded from the Bowie canon altogether, much to the consternation of the young David who desperately wanted to be the next Beatles or Mick Jagger. So this is over three years before he introduced us to Major Tom in his breakout hit Space Oddity in 1969, it's six years before he sang about changes, and six and a half years before he would become a household name with the album The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and The Spiders from Mars. And content-wise, this is a formative period of Bowie when his lyrics are, are less abstract, a little more literal than the style he became known for. This is before he began what became a lifelong practice of cutting up sheets of lyrics and pasting them together in a different order to form song stories that were uh, a little more ethereal, less narrative. But still, for me, this song stands out from anything that was happening around it. Here at the start of 66, we're well into the British invasion. The Beatles have been at the top of the food chain for over three years. You've got the Rolling Stones, the Animals, the Who, the Kinks. From America, you've got Motown in Detroit and soul music coming from all parts of the US. And you've got Bob Dylan and the folk revival making waves all over the world. But here in London, we have a young, hungry David Bowie writing and singing remarkably candidly about emotion and crisis. Unlike most other songwriters of the time, he's not writing about love or sex or wanting to dance all night. He's not writing profiles of elusive women. He's not singing about uh, peace or brotherhood or the dangers of conformity or the human condition with a grand eagle-eye view like Dylan was. He's writing about worry and rejection. Uh, ostracism by one's family, which feels unique for this period. It's not just about being misunderstood or told to get a haircut. He's being kicked out of the house for some social infraction that isn't described, but which has him in a terrified tailspin. He literally needs a place to stay. He's wishing he had help, which he can't see coming his way. And he's wishing he could turn back the clock and get back to safety. So why is it I feel so connected to this song lately? I I'm not going to pretend it's the greatest Bowie song ever. It's definitely not. But I can't help thinking about me. It's a really simple line yet shockingly honest. And it sums up how I know I feel when an anxiety bomb goes off in my life, usually triggered by a life change. I just get consumed with self-focus. And sometimes I feel really bad about being so self-focused. But at the end of the day, there's not much I can do about it because that's how evolution has designed human beings to react when we think we're in danger. We respond by focusing on our well-being and, uh, and sometimes this focus takes the form of crippling worry. And in our modern lives, these anxiety bombs that envelop us can be triggered by losing your home, losing a close relationship, losing a family member, uh, losing an essential part of your health that you've always relied on. Hell, it can even happen when you lose your phone. You know, it just gets triggered when we think we're in big trouble. From what I understand, anxiety is an emotion that's there to protect us from further harm, making us focus on immediate survival tactics to get out of harm's way. As Bowie proclaims in one of the verses, I hope I make it on my own. When the crisis hits us, the first thought is, I'm not going to make it through this. I can't. You know, it feels like you haven't got a friend in the world who can help you. Even when that's not true, that's how it feels. In the verses, he expresses a longing to go back to an innocence he knows he can't recapture. Um, he says, remember how we used to go to church on Sundays? I'd lie awake at night, terrified of school on Mondays. I love the specificity of that. Even if you didn't go to church, you can relate to that on some level. Uh, then he goes on to say, 
but it's too late now. I wish I was a child again. I wish I felt secure again. I love the brutal honesty of this. He'd gladly take the worries of childhood over the worries he has now, and, and, and who hasn't felt that way? Um, when I started gravitating to this song again recently, um, I felt a little embarrassed, like I shouldn't be relating to this, I shouldn't be identifying with it at my age. It's indulgent of me to be like, yeah, this is me, this desperate cry of the teenage outcast. And then after a while I thought, well, wait, there's nothing inherently wrong with connecting with this song. It's not necessarily a black spot on my maturity. The writing resonates for a reason. Now, to be fair, I might be someone who's taken thinking about himself to elevated levels throughout his life. Um, I'm a pretty habitual navel-gazer and worrier, and someone who might unconsciously run toward the most explosive situations possible, fraught with consequences I refuse to acknowledge in advance, I don't know. And then uh, when a consequence landmine gets triggered, I'm all like, oh god, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Does anyone even like me anymore? Of course not, I'm too pathetic. So how am I, the lowly Eli James, going to run this next gauntlet of problems without any help whatsoever? I've blackened the family name, Bowie says in the first verse. Sometimes I think that too. My family's embarrassed by me, I tell myself in my darkest hours. Eli just can't get it together. He's the one who always needs help with some crisis or other. And even if these are gross thought distortions, we can all go there very easily, can't we? Okay, so where do I end with this? What am I trying to say? I think I'm concluding that sometimes we feel all alone with our problems. And when that happens, there's little that separates our developed adult minds from the more primitive brain of the teen or the child. That version of us that hasn't grown a prefrontal cortex and so can only think about ourselves. Our survival instincts kick in because we think we won't live through the latest loss. And that's not a flaw. You know, it's, it's not a source of shame. It doesn't have to be. Ultimately, desperate feelings of worry and sadness are as much a part of life as our joys, our excitement, our boredom. We all want to be held and told that the bad thing that happened will be reversed. It's just human nature. And it's a process of forgiveness that I'm on right now, um, forgiving myself for being human. And I'm trying, especially in the last few years, to develop uh, coping strategies that prevent me from acting on the most desperate versions of my anxieties. Uh, but it takes work, and it takes practice, and I don't always succeed. I've got people in my life who, when I reach out to them and share with them what I'm going through, they offer kindness and compassion. They are there. Maybe not every time, maybe not every minute that I need them, but they are there. And I want to remember that. And there are people in my life who don't offer those things, and I'm learning to accept that too. I'm hopeful that this anxious form of thinking eventually gives way for me and, and, and helps me to know better who I am, how I am, to remember that I am adept at taking care of my needs, even when life seems impossibly painful. I can look back and see it. I've done it. And it's my hope that I can eventually take a break from disaster thinking and open out to gratitude thinking on a more regular basis. That's all. Thanks for listening. Much love, people. Much love, David Bowie. Nay, Davy Jones. Rest in peace. Um, much love to my family and friends. Um, feel free to go ahead and check out other episodes of Strong Reception wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc. And you can hear lots of interviews with people about music and... Uh, 
and sometimes about voting. <laughs> okay, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.